Rick Stevens, financial advisor with FRS Financial Group, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. For more detailed information regarding any of the topics discussed on today's show, please call 719-500-8700. This is Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial. Here's your host, Rick Stevens. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. I am your host, Rick Stevens, and this is your show. Folks, remember that if there is a question you would like to have answered, if you've got a topic you would want to hear covered on a future episode of Money Matters, please reach out. Give me that call at 719-500-8700 or shoot me an email rstevens at frsfinancialgroup.com or... You're always welcome to go to our website, frsfinancialgroup.com. There's a contact tab on the top right corner. Hit that. It pops open the screen. You can send us a question. You can send us a message about that topic you'd like to hear a little bit more about. Folks, we would love to hear from you. This week on Money Matters, I am joined, as always, in studio by my co-host, Andrew Rogers. Andrew! I hope you've survived Thanksgiving at this point. Yeah. You, you've got a little trip coming. I think we're back to normal a little bit. Maybe. We'll you, see. And, and I'm going on the assumption that you brought everybody back that you took with you. Yeah. Although oh. one of them's favorite movie is Home Alone. We did not recreate that. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. You know, when, when you get to the number of children that I have, I just... Don't worry about coming home with the same ones. I just worry about coming home with the same number, right? I count them as we leave. I count them as we're coming back. If I've got the same number going and coming, I think I I should at least get some kind of points for that, right? See, we're still, we can can run a good man coverage scheme on this. Yes. So. When when you get to that uh, zone and then you're outnumbered, that Mm -hmm. that becomes the difficult part in there. Um, as, As a dad, Andrew. All right. I'm going to go out and say there there might be some things that you find mildly frustrating. Mm-hmm. And and just maybe as a man in general, there's some things that you find mildly frustrating. There there's some things Andrew that get my dander up if I can say that without having hair. Okay. Um and and this time it's actually not traffic. Right? Okay. Because traffic gets me that way and it has nothing to do with LeBron James either. All right. All right. Uh and it's it's not the Bears and their lack of real skill position work. Um, you know, sometimes I just don't understand what they're doing out in Hallis Hall to try to build that team. But I know it's not my money. I'm not the one going up against the salary cap. I get it. Not my decisions uh, that are in there. But I, I thought Chef Poles was cooking. Well, he was cooking something. Something in there. But, but there's something else that's actually got me a little bit on that uh, stirred up yeah, side. I was gonna say you, you seem a little more restless than normal. Um, I, I'm glad I don't have to have a blood pressure cuff on me okay. at the moment. So, I'm pretty stirred up 
these days about uh, something that happened fairly recently to the good folks in uh, Southern Colorado as a whole in terms of how this thing was marketed, but in particular the Colorado Springs and really even El Paso County area as a whole. And, uh, you know, I have I may or may not be somebody who kind of holds a, a grudge, Andrew. No, uh, they're, not, they're, not you. Not me. Not me. There, there are things where I have that deep sense of justice mm-hmm. uh, in there, and and I kind of try to uh, to fight towards that at times. And I, you know, here's here's what I've actually had that conversation with folks before. When you know, you get that little icebreaker. Are you the kind of person that holds a grudge? Um, I say I'm I'm almost fifty years old, and I can remember at the age of thirteen playing against the Lawrenceville All Stars. That Ronnie Peters, who wore number 15, was the first kid to lower the shoulder and try to knock me out as a catcher in a no-contact tournament. Not that 35 years later, I still remember not only the name, but the uniform number. Yeah, so, I'm just saying. So you don't hold grudges. I don't, I don't hold grudges saying. too long. I mean, a few decades. Yeah. What, what's, what's a few decades? But uh, there's, there's very little... That, that just sets me on fire than those folks who try to take advantage of people, especially in the money realm, and even more so when they do it under the guise of church. Yeah, that's just, that's just wrong. It, it, it just absolutely drives me up the wall, and, and my, my, my justice gland kicks mm-hmm. in overtime at that point. So a few months ago... Andrew, here in town, uh, there was an event that took place called Life Surge. Okay. You may have seen a billboard about it driving around town. Yeah. I don't know if they bought any uh, KRDO advertising for it, but they bought advertising all over the place. Mm-hmm. It was everywhere. I, I found it on my Facebook. I found it, you know, in in uh, my emails, and I'm not even sure how they figured out where I was in Colorado to yeah. to get that stuff out and get the, you know, the right uh, banner ad on the email stuff that comes out. It drives me nuts. But Life Surge took place a couple months ago, had all kinds of celebrities there. Yeah. Right? That was a Tim Tebow, I think Nick Vujicic, uh, I think is how you say the last name, was there. Uh, the Property Brothers were there. Auntie Anne's founder was there. So some pretty big name folks there talking a lot about, you know, business and motivation and goals and leadership and some really cool stuff. Yeah. But it was finished up with, um, I guess I'll say, a less than awesome sales pitch. Because uh, when you watch a lot of those ads, you saw all that stuff. It was just, you know, listen to Tim Tebow's inspiring story yes and how to you know build that business acumen and how to keep that fire burning yes yes and a lot of that sounds really great and and quite frankly you know as if that were the the main piece of it if it were a leadership conference Mm -hmm. and those speakers were there i would i would be wholeheartedly in totally for that yeah it's when they finish up with hawking some products that makes me go, you know, you made people pay for their seats to this to hear a sales pitch. That's a little bit of bait and switch, too. Yes, yes. It's, uh, so I start with finding that irritating to begin with. If you're going to send them to a sales presentation, 
at least give them a weekend in the timeshare for free, yeah. right? Right? But the company in particular that was there, they were hawking their training courses, right? For only X number of dollars, you can sign up for these three courses that we'll teach you how to use this software you're going to subscribe to. And we're going to make you millionaires because we're going to teach you how to effectively be a day trader. Yes. Yes. Now, again, for those that are out there listening and, and you're thinking about some red flags that should come up, if somebody is charging you an admissions fee to sell you another fee for their classes and another fee for a subscription to their service, the short version is run, run fast, and run far. Yeah. Not someplace that uh, that that we need to uh, really be be hoping that it was great, and uh, because ultimately what these folks are doing, and we've talked about this on on other episodes, they are manipulating people emotionally, right? Because they're the final one, they're the capstone of it all to yeah. come on stage after you've been motivated by depending on who it is, and and they've got these things set up all over the country where. You know, Tim Tebow is there, and, and, and Nick is there, and, and Willie Robertson is there, and all these different big-name folks are there, and it's, oh, yeah, I would love to go listen to those guys. And they finish it up by getting this really pumped-up, adrenaline-filled audience to go spend their money. Oh, man. Did, did I mention that that fires me up? Yeah, that just seems bit. sketchy. Yeah. Yeah, so... With all of that said, I got to tell you a little bit about the company putting this stuff on. All right. Because if that sounded sketchy, this is even further on that sketch scale, if you will. So the, the, the company that is selling you this service at the end is a company by the name of Surge Trading. Right? Surge Trading LLC. And what I want to tell folks is... If you're streaming us right now, if you're listening to the podcast version, hit pause. Go, well, don't hit pause yet because now you can't hear the instructions. But after these instructions, hit pause. Go to Google. Type in the words surge trading and take a look at the company. I want you to look at who owns it, who runs it. Take a look at surge trading Surge Capital, Janice Seaman is the CEO of Surge, so search her name, and then search SEC. And the SEC here, Andrew, is not the Southeastern Conference, right? We're not going to go figure out that, you know, she played college basketball for Alabama or she was a you know cheerleader at LSU or a gymnast in Florida, none of that. Although it would make sense bringing Tim Tebow in. Yes, yes, it would. Yes, it would. But the SEC that we're looking at here is the Securities Exchange Commission. So what we're going to find when we do that search is you're going to actually find not only Jenna, but you're going to find her husband, Brent. And in July of 2023, July of this year, just a month or so before the Life Surge event happened in Colorado Springs, Brent Seaman was charged by the SEC, by the Securities Exchange Commission, for running a $35 million Ponzi scheme 
that was defrauding church members who had invested in his company. Oh. Yeah. And, and actually, there are all kinds of different companies named because, and, and we'll actually go over this here in a, in a few weeks, um, in this ordeal because these are all, this LLC owns that LLC, which owns that LLC, and they've just piled these deep, 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 deep to get the actual owner away from the business being fronted. Yeah, it's, it's kind of that, that whack-a-mole. So even if you did run astray of one of those regulatory agencies, it's not going to catch the actual you know, head honchos. You might take a little right. bit of a loss here or there, get a little nicked up, but you're not actually going to have that suffering blow. Exactly. But the SEC, because... As a regulatory agency, they're very good at doing that digging, has dug through to get all of the different pieces that were part of that. And in this uh, in this Ponzi charge, uh, Janice Seaman was also named as one of the co-defendants in this. Um, so as the CEO of Surge Trading, which is the company that is sitting there at the top of the life surge, she actually um, settled with the SEC. But I want to give you some of those basics on that case first. From approximately June of 19 through September of 22, Brent Seaman told investors he would use their money to invest in technology companies, to trade currencies and commodities, Sound familiar with maybe what's been presented at that life surge mm-hmm. sort of thing? And he falsely promised annual returns between 18 and 48%. Because that's a heck of a promise on a return there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I can promise on a return? I can promise you'll have a return. I can't promise if it'll be positive or negative, but there will be a return yeah. in some way, shape, or form. He also promoted and described that investment as safe and his returns as guaranteed. The only thing that I can do to say it's a guarantee is if it is written into an insurance contract because that company is contractually bound to deliver whatever that is, whether that's in an annuity, whether it's in one of those, you know, mostly useless whole life IUL sort of things. The company's contractually bound to do what they've said they're going to do. So he's he was promising 18 to 48% safe investments, guaranteed returns. I, and, and before I keep going a little further, I was actually reminded of July 1st mm-hmm. with this because that's Bobby Bonilla Day. And that's when Bobby Bonilla gets his million-dollar check from the New York Mets, I think for almost 10 more years. I'd have to go look at the exact number um, on that. But Bobby Bonilla Day happens because of this other guy that was running a Ponzi scheme, in this case out of New York, by the name of Bertie Madoff. And the Mets owners took the money that they would have paid Bonilla thought they were getting that guaranteed return, gave him a deferred annuity contract instead, and now they are on the hook for paying that when they got none of their money out of Madoff. But anyway, the complaint about Brent Seaman, or Brett Seaman, alleges that he solicited investors, 
by touting his proven success of investing in currencies when he was actually losing millions of dollars from his investors and his currency trading was wholly unprofitable. He was not making profits, yet here he is touting how many profits he's making. It's also alleged that he misappropriated millions of dollars for himself to buy luxury automobiles and to pay for some trips on private planes. It is also alleged that he made Ponzi-like payments to investors. So what is a Ponzi-like payment? A Ponzi payment is where, let's say, Andrew, I have told you, you give me $1,000. In a year, I guarantee you a 10% return, you'll get 1100 back. A year from now, I don't have that 1100 to give you. But I go to TJ, and I say, TJ, if you give me 1100 I promise you'll get 1200 back. And I take TJ's 1100 and give it to you, pretending as though I actually made that money and here's yours. Wait, it's almost like you're robbing Peter to pay Paul to go back to... Yes. Yes, indeed. Very much so. Uh, the, the final allegation in there uh, was that he did not generate those profits, so he was using those Ponzi payments to actually make those required distributions that he was already promising to folks. Uh, his wife in her settlement, so his his trial has not happened for this part yet. Yeah. But his wife agreed to settle for $757,000. Three quarters of a million dollars she settled for her part okay. in this. Uh, the Velo Holdings Group, one of the LLCs, also agreed to pay $668,000 to basically have their case adjudicated separately and will will plead guilty to this stuff over here. So there's a lot of different pieces kind of going on here. And when you start digging, Andrew, it goes deeper. Because this is not the first time that Brett Seaman has been in trouble when it comes to money. It's almost like these guys are just career con men. Yes. Yeah, back in 2001, so 20-plus years ago, he pled guilty to wire fraud mm-hmm. in Indianapolis in a federal court, was sentenced to 17 months in prison, and paid $940,000 in restitution. So the guy's almost paid a million dollars in restitution coming into this. Now he's accused at $35 million. 2014, he filed for bankruptcy and left $14 million in unsecured debt owed to this really massive long list of creditors that he actually had as victims to this fraud game. So a couple of different pieces as, as we kind of run into this first break. I got two purposes in all of this, Andrew, because I get fired up about okay. this. My purpose, number one, is to stop this kind of garbage from happening to people. I hate seeing people taken advantage of, especially money. Because, yeah, we may all make a foolish choice here or there. We may sign up for, you know, the the uh, subscription to this. We might fall for that. I'm telling Facebook you're not allowed to do this or that with my pictures thing. When none of that's real. But when it comes to people having their money 
for all intents and purposes, stolen from them, that gets my dander up. Yeah, and under the guise of something else. Yes. Yes, so number one, I want to stop this garbage from happening to folks. And folks, if you're out there and you're listening and this has happened to you, come talk to me. We'll, We'll talk about some different things. Uh, that that we can you know maybe do to help you out a little bit. And the other part is to educate folks on how to know whether or not you can actually trust this person out there who is telling you all of these financial things. Yeah. Because a lot of these folks have used somebody else's trust in this case to say, hey, we're associated with them too. You can trust us. Now come give us money. So, folks, when we get back from our break, we are going to go through some of those little educational pieces that will help you to kind of look at, discern what's going on, how it goes on, and how to protect yourself right here on Money Matters. Money affects each of us in different ways. Sometimes it's a source of stress and fear. Sometimes it's a source of comfort and security. Whatever your perspective, it's always good to get a second set of eyes on your finances to help serve as a guide. If you are looking for that guidance, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary appointment. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Folks, thanks for sticking with us through that break here on Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. Rick Stevens in studio with Andrew Rogers, my co-host. And Andrew, we we started out, and, and I hate to actually even say we started out, because that was almost a monologue. Let me let me jump up on my soapbox yeah. and tell you what uh, what ended up as a burr under my saddle to uh, to to steal a nice Western piece of a cliche over there. And, and, and that's the folks who are out there taking advantage of people under a totally different guise. And it always drives me nuts. So one of those things out there, Andrew, that, that folks need to be doing is anytime you're introduced to somebody who is put in front of you as a financial expert, whether it's at an event, uh, whether it's you got a referral from a friend who said, hey, this is somebody I use, you know, you, you're listening to me here on KRDO, Go check up on them. FINRA, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. FINRA has a website out there where you can do this because consumer protection is one of the big things FINRA is about. Mm -hmm. And the website is brokercheck.finra.org. You know what you can do at brokercheck.finra.org? You can check a broker? Look at that. Look at that. We, 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 we've gotten these deductive reasoning concepts going. Yes, you can check on this particular financial individual. You can find out what kind of licensing they have. You can find out what states they are licensed in. Uh, you can find out if they have any what are called disclosures yeah. uh, in their background. A disclosure is something where they may have done something that wasn't actually uh, – up to snuff, if you will. More importantly, you can find out if they're licensed at all, which is even worse. Yes, yes. And, and sometimes if you know the city where they're at, it helps uh, where they do their business. It helps. Not entirely necessary, though, uh, to know that. You just might have to scroll through a bigger, long list. But 
But all you've got to do is if you go to brokercheck.finra.org, you type in the name of the person. If you do this with Brent Seaman, okay, the individual in this case, you type in his name. He's actually in Naples, Florida. So you could type in Naples, Florida. You could type in Florida as a whole. Or you could totally leave it blank. You're going to hit that search button and find out there's nothing on the FINRA site about him. Really? So this guy out there, the head of this company, who's giving people this, hey, invest with us and we're going to teach you how to invest, has no licensing whatsoever when it comes to actually being allowed to give that kind of financial advice. Really? That's a little frustrating in my world. And and quite frankly, if somebody is teaching you how to trade stocks and they're not licensed to trade stocks, that's big red flag number one. Yeah. The next thing you want to do is go over to the SEC website, sec.gov. Okay. Right? Again, Securities Exchange Commission, not the Southeastern Conference. So if you go to an SEC website and you get the Southeastern Conference, that's the wrong one. You're probably not going to find out about this guy on that one either. But if you go to the sec.gov website, type in Brent Seaman or type in his wife, Janice Seaman, you're going to actually find all of the different charges that have been levied against these two for the Ponzi scheme. Okay. You can actually go and do that deeper dive and search and find some other things over the years where that name has come up. It not always uh, makes sense with him. Uh, but it it could very well be in there somewhere. You've got to go through and, and kind of filter that out. So any time that folks are out there thinking, wow, this guy's making a whole lot of sense, go see if he's licensed to do this. Because somebody who's licensed to do this, uh, licensed not only as a broker, but more importantly as an investment advisor, yeah. is licensed to be a fiduciary. Fiduciary is a very important piece, Andrew, because fiduciary means they have to look out for your best interest and not their own. Mm -hmm. What that means is if I ever did anything like this guy has done, I would never work in this industry again. I would be barred for life. If you want to see what that looks like on somebody's disclosure, type in Bernie Madoff. You can actually search Bernie Madoff on BrokerCheck. It'll come up that he has disclosures. It'll come up as a red disclosure. And a red disclosure means barred from practicing for life. You can find that out about folks. Really? It's very interesting in there. So that's one of those different ways to to be able to go out and, and folks check to see What's going on in the background of those folks? In fact, I would I would welcome you to go out and do a broker check on me. Mm-hmm. Right? You you open up broker check. You're going to type in, and, and again, it depends on how close to the perfect response you want to get. But if you actually go to that individual name and you type in Richard Stevens, because that's my full given name, that there are only two people that call me Richard. Okay. That's my mother and and that's my compliance department and both of them call me that when I'm in trouble. Okay. So rare, very few people call me Richard. So you type in Richard Stevens and you can type in Colorado Springs. 
right? Type in Colorado Springs as the uh, location. You hit that search. There are two people that come up. There's Richard Allen Stevens, which is me, and that's only when I'm in a lot of troubles when they throw that middle name in there, Andrew. And there's Stephen Richard Paradis, and and oddly enough, we're, we both work for LPL as our broker. That's one of those uh, crazy little things. But in my world, if you click on my name, it's going to bring up my broker check. And on there, you're going to see my CRD number. Okay, that's the that's the national number associated with me and my licenses. You're going to see that the B in the lighter blue stands for broker. The IA stands for investment advisor in a darker blue. You're going to see zero disclosures, 11 years of experience, two firms. And I and I oftentimes tell folks it might be two firms. It's really one firm because I never actually moved my desk because the one firm that I started with was purchased by the second firm. So we really didn't change anything. We stayed where we are. It's going to show three exams passed. It's going to say 56 state licenses, but but Andrew, that's because it's not it's not 56 states. It's there are multiple licenses in different states. Okay. So it's 56 licenses, not 56 states okay. on there. So so we're not going crazy uh, with any of that. And then folks can go back and see. They can see I passed the series 66, which is the investment advisor. I passed the series seven, which is the broker. Uh, you'll also see that the SIE, the Securities Industries Essentials exam, was passed in October of 18. That's actually because I passed the Series 7 in 2012, and later they created the SIE, which is the first half of the 7. So those of us that had already passed it were grandfathered in okay. to having passed uh, that. And then you can go through and you can see all the different states where I am registered with. And you can see I'm registered in Alabama and Alaska and Arizona and Arkansas and California and Colorado and the District of Columbia. So even though it's not a state, I am licensed in D.C. And and all the different pieces. And some states require an investment advisor license with a broker license. Some of them don't. That's why they don't all have both. Um, I'm actually in the process of finishing that cleanup. So by 2024, I think there are only going to be three states I I have that require the investment advisor, and that's Colorado, because that's where my office is. Mm -hmm. Texas requires it of everybody, and I think Tennessee is the other one that requires it of everybody. But I don't remember uh, quickly off the top of my head. The nice part is I don't have any clients in Tennessee, so I don't have to worry about that at this point. But that's being able to go out, do that check, and, and find these things out. You're also able to see which firms these folks have worked with and how long they've been there, right? So if you look at what uh, what mine says, I've been with two firms from 2012 through 2021, two firms from 21 through the present. It really is just two firms total. From 12 to 21, that was Waddell & Reed. That was the brokerage we used. That's who held my licenses. Waddell & Reed got purchased. The deal closed in 2021. LPL is who bought them. So my license is transferred over to LPL holding them. That's why it looks Mm -hmm. like I've changed, but in in reality, I have not. If we were to look up, though, Bernie Madoff, and that's B-E-R-N-I-E-M-A-D-O-F-F. And you're not going to need to worry about the state, but you could put New York in there if you wanted. You're going to see Bernard Lawrence Madoff come up. Now, when we did the search for me, Andrew, mine showed up blue. When you do the search for Bernie Madoff, 
he shows up red. And he also shows up with this little word at the bottom that says barred, meaning he's not allowed to work in the industry anymore. And the first thing it says is disclosures. Yes. So, yes, Bernie has disclosures. He has six. Uh, He worked 49 years with one firm. He passed three exams. You want to care to guess which three exams he had passed? Hmm. Uh, would that be the Series 63, whatever that is? Yes, the 63. So he was a licensed investment advisor. Okay. He had also passed the 55. So he's a limited equity trader. And he had the Series 1, which was what's called the registered rep exam. Okay. These are all precursors because if you go back and look, he passed the Series 1 in 1960. Right, that's the precursor to what we now have as the Series Seven. Okay. So they've just kind of gone up in number, and and the fifty-five was the little additional piece that they added in two thousand. So he didn't probably take that exam again. That's just the we gave him credit for it, yeah. uh, sort of thing. So he was in there. He passed tests, but his disclosures don't happen until two thousand eight. So the guy started working in nineteen sixty, and for forty-eight years had a clean record. But in that 49th year, he started doing, or getting caught doing anyway, some pretty shady stuff. Yeah. And that's where, folks, you want to go in, look at, research these folks that are out there telling you this is what you need to do with these dollars, with those dollars, with whatever. There are also, Andrew, some signs of fraud, okay, some warning signs of fraud. And generally speaking, those folks looking to commit that financial fraud, they're going to set their sights on people, believe it or not, Andrew, who have money, because that comes in handy. Yeah, I was about to say, because, you know, going back to the Bernie Madoff example, he had 49 years where if you searched him and looked up those records, you would find nothing except for he's passed his licenses, he has what he needs to, but we all know that's not it. So what are some of those red flags that people need to be on the lookout for to make sure that they are protecting their assets. So one of the one of the big warning signs out there and this is actually eventually what got Bertie Madoff in trouble is the promise of a quick profit or a guaranteed return or they're using some high pressure sales tactics on you to basically say, you know, if you don't do this you don't love me kind of a concept on there some very high pressure sort of things um and and they're doing this to either get you to to buy in or to at least commit and start with paying today start with doing this today which is one of those things that at this particular life surge event this company did if you sign up today we discount the classes for you at this price and we have people out here in the lobby at the kiosks with the card reader ready for you to swipe your credit card to do this. All right. Let me ask you this then. What, where's the difference? Because I know sometimes there's that old adage that sometimes to you know make an omelet, you have to break a few eggs. Right. So, I mean, where where is that line between you know being taken advantage of or, yeah, sometimes there is a cost of entry to be able to take a next step. 
So oftentimes, yes, when there is that, you know, what's it going to cost me to get in and get, get in to do this? To know that number up front is always a good thing. Okay. Right? When I when I sit with folks and we're starting from zero and I, I get to say, you know what, we're going to use this particular fund company, uh, this fund company, it's $250 as a minimum to, to start your fund or it's $25 a month for 10 months until you get up to $250 to, to get this thing rolling. I don't tell folks, and I need to know that today. Okay. I will say, you know, I will lay it out and I'll say, you let me know which of those you want to do and when you're ready. And I let it go. There is no, you've got to do this right now. We got to strike while the iron is hot because it's going to explode like this somewhere in the next blah, 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 blah. Those are the folks that you've got to stay away from. Okay. Right? Those folks that are always overselling whatever it is because if you've heard somebody oversell something, they're probably going to under deliver as well. Yeah. Because they are making their money selling it to you up front, not as they are working with you as you go along. Some crazy stuff through. So that's one of those big big pieces because yes, there are costs of entry. Right? Nobody nobody gets a retirement account just because you walked in. You actually have to put money into it to invest actual dollars into things to to see that money move up, down, sideways over the course of time. Okay. Right? It's not a, hey, if you give us $200 today, we can promise you $300 in two months. That's where we have to run. Okay? That's where we've got to be careful with who it is we're trusting. Some of these places will also be very upfront and, and coy about these sorts of things. And, oh, you need to do this and that and the other. One of which is to name them as a beneficiary of your estate. Huh. Now, I like, I like my family. I kind of like for them to be the beneficiaries of my estate. Yeah. And, and, Andrew, as much as I like you, I'm not naming you as a beneficiary, man. I'm sorry. All right. So why in the world would I name this company that I just sat down with a salesperson from as a beneficiary? Again, big red flag right there of you need to give us money right now today and only today and only for the next 30 minutes, Andrew, this is deeply discounted. So yeah. get in there right now. Or else you're going to miss out. FOMO is real. It is real. Well, folks, we are up against that final break in today's show. When we come back... We will continue talking a little bit more about how to cite those signs of fraud that are out there, how to not fall for some of those uh, bad ideas that folks like to go out and sell to you. Stick around. We will be right back. Are you worried about what's been going on in the markets and how it has affected your portfolio? Maybe you need a financial checkup. If you have questions about the health of your financial future, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary checkup. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. Rick Stevens with you in studio with 
my co-host, Andrew Rogers, who has been wonderful today as I've been on my soapbox. Andrew. I'm just here for the emotional support. <laughs> I thought maybe you were just here for the show because it's entertaining. I, I'm the emotional support co-host today. <laughs> um, so, so, folks, we have been talking about some of these different things to not get duped by. Uh, when when you see the big promotions and folks doing all of this great, wild, crazy stuff, oh, my goodness, this is going to be best ever. And ultimately what they're really trying to do is get your money mm-hmm. um, and, and not really help in in – any way, shape, or form except their own bottom line. Well, they're guaranteeing a great return for them. Yes, 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 they are. Now, now, Andrew, mm-hmm. I have a question right. for you. When it comes to sitting down with, learning how to trust that financial professional, whether you're going to trust them to either manage your own funds or help you figure out how to manage things properly, there's some things that really come in handy on there. Yeah. You know what that might be? I mean, I always go into it, again, because I also have that background as a you know, reporter. And so you're naturally skeptical. Yeah. yeah, natural skepticism. But also, you know, especially when it comes to any kind of financial dealings, as far as looking who it's actually profiting and really trying to trace that back down. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that ultimately comes into this big, long list of questions that that I oftentimes will tell folks. This is a good set of things to get some of those answers Mm -hmm. out of there for folks. Not the least of which is, what kind of experience do you have working with people in a similar situation to me? Yeah, That's a question I get asked a lot Mm -hmm. because folks come in, and they want to know, okay, I am, uh, you know, my mid-60s, and we're getting ready to retire how do I fit into your client base? Am I the kind of person that you work with yeah. often? Or, hey, I'm 22, I'm just getting started. Am I the kind of person that you work with often? And the the wonderful part that I get to tell folks is the short version of that is yes. Um, we actually have clients because technically even the underage one kids are clients if they have particular types of accounts because the kid is the owner of that account, mm-hmm. but the parent is the custodian. I have, I have folks who are under a year old. I have a client, Andrew, who about six weeks ago turned 100. So I think I can say I run the gamut with folks in terms of what age and stage they're at in life. True. I think another question I'd probably ask if I was strolling into the office about to uh, make all these plans with you is, well, Mr. Stevens... What kind of professional licenses or certifications do you have if I can't see them already on the wall behind you? Exactly. Well, I will tell you, you will not see those on my wall uh, because I I uh, am a big fan of the, you know, sort of a more homey atmosphere. So my wall may or may not be covered. And when I say covered, I actually mean covered with some pictures of a particular building at 1060 West Addison Street. In Chicago, Illinois. Oh, well, I'm glad you see uh, Elwood Blues as a family member and like to have his home prominently featured. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So you're not going to see all my licenses hanging up, but when I talk with folks, and I, and I talk about those things, so I have a Series 7, mm-hmm. which is the stockbroker license. I have a 66, which is the investment advisor license. That Series 66, or if somebody has a 65-63 combination, 
Uh, that's what they used to have before you did the 66. That is actually the license that turns that individual into a fiduciary. Okay. Okay, so that's a very important one to look out for. There can be any sort of alphabet soup after folks' names. Uh, if you actually go to uh, FINRA and you check out the list of designations, you will get tired with all of that alphabet soup that folks could have at the end of their names. But ultimately what it means is they've passed some sort of a test, they've taken the classes, passed the test, and got a particular designation to what they think best suits the kind of business they've got rolling. In my world, I am a CPFA, which is a Certified Plan Fiduciary Advisor. Okay. And what that really means is I hold the certification to be a fiduciary on retirement plans. Okay. That's what that ultimately means in my world. So, yes, that's a very good question to, to ask and also a good one, especially if you haven't gone through that broker check site first, to, to be able to get out there. But even sometimes I tell folks, it's good to go through broker check and still ask that question because you want to make sure the person sitting across from you is going to answer it with the right answer. Yeah. I guess the next question is, you know, when this would be part of that kind of getting to know everyone type of situation and knowing if this is going to be a good relationship is, you know, what is kind of that, you know, what's your investment philosophy? Are you going to be kind of a the gambler or more conservative? I mean, what kind of overarching strategies and kind of mindset do you have when it comes to managing these assets? Exactly. That's one of those things where you want to make sure that your investment advisor is on the same page as you because mm-hmm. they may be your advisor, but it's still your money, right? Your money matters. Your money is what they're managing. You want your money managed the way you would like philosophically to have it managed. Mm-hmm. That is one of those very big pieces. And yeah, you absolutely want to know, okay, what kind of uh, products, for lack of a better term, do you deal in? And are they going to be something that actually fits into my philosophy of what I would like to have in a portfolio? If somebody deals, you know, mostly in mutual funds, okay, are you more on the ETF, the exchange-traded fund side, which trade just like they were stocks at any time through the day, are you on the mutual fund side, which actually trades at the end of a day, mm-hmm. so you don't get that intra-daily pricing. It's just what it's valued at at the end of each day. Are you trading individual stocks or individual bonds? Do you have the ability to trade any and all of those? Can you do things like CDs as well? Because we have clients that have CDs. We have clients who have actual treasury bonds, two-year treasuries. We have those that have ETFs. We have those that hold individual stocks. We have those that hold mutual funds in, the, in that more traditional route. That philosophy, you want to know, hey, are you, you know, you may not be one of the Dave Ramsey uh, um, SmartVestor pros, but do you understand the Dave Ramsey philosophy mm-hmm. of what to have, how to build a portfolio, looking at that long track record versus the first year? looking at those different things. You you want to know what all of that is and are the services they provide also in alignment with those philosophies? Yeah. Uh, I think another one of the big questions, and this might be a little bold, would mm-hmm. be, you know, how are you getting paid? I mean, is this, you know, what's your kind of commission level, fees off the top, salary on the side? I mean, wh- how, where's that all going to come from? And that is that is absolutely what you need to be asking. You you need to know as the client 
how the one giving you mo- uh, investment advice is getting their money. Mm-hmm. I have seen a couple of different places where people have said, oh, I give the best customer service and the best advice because I don't get paid by the client. Well, my question is, well, then who pays you? Yeah. Because I can promise you if there's a company paying you, you're giving out advice in the best interest of the company, not in the best interest of your client because you're worried about where's my paycheck coming from Mm -hmm. at that point. In my world... I actually, when you when you ask the question, how do you get paid? My answer is actually yes. Actually, my answer is first usually weekly, very weekly. But then it's yes um, on there. And then I go through and I explain all the different ways that we work with folks. We do work with people who are in brokerage accounts and they pay commissions based on the trades that they make. Mm-hmm. So there's a sales charge inside of a brokerage account whether that's buying a mutual fund, whether that's buying a stock, whether it's buying an ETF, there's a sales charge because there's a cost of doing that business. I also work in a world where, as an asset manager, I can be paid a fee over the course of time to manage the assets, a percentage of whatever those assets are. And as the assets grow, what I actually get paid as a dollar amount grows, the fee does not, right? It stays at that level. But... If we're having a bad year, like 2020 was, guess who gets paid less in a bad year? When the market's down 20%, I've taken a 20% pay cut. Mm -hmm. So it's also in my best interest at that point to make sure your best interest is served and we're doing things that either keep your account from going down or hopefully can even find a way to you know go up a little bit in a bad market like that. So there are ways to get paid that way. I also get paid with just a specific fee-for-service model. It's, hey, I want you to do this kind of investment planning for me. Here's what I've got going on in this, uh, my, my 401k, my you know IRA that I've got held at a separate place, but help me make some good choices. It's okay, here's the flat fee to be able to do that. Hopefully, when folks go to a financial professional, they find out that they have options in how they want to work with that professional and then how to pay them because I'm a fan of having to be able to make choices Mm -hmm. and the choice, not just yes or no, I'm working with you, but yes, I'll work with you and here's how I'll do it. Yeah. I guess the other question I would probably ask and kind of similar to that is who's, whose pocket are you in? Whose back pocket are you in? Who's scratching your back? Yes. Yes. I, I love that. I actually was asked uh, by a client one day. He said, you know what? From what I understand, um, in your world, you have folks from these asset companies that that are out here and, and you know, they'll come out and they'll take you to breakfast or they'll take you to lunch and they'll give you an update about this, that and the other. And there are a lot of folks out there that uh, they're going to try to sell me the last thing that the guy presented to them. And there are a lot of folks that, that will do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, on the other hand, like to have a lot of different uh, tools in my toolbox, shall we say. Yeah. So I'm not just beholden to one asset company. I'm not beholden to one insurance company. As a, an independent broker, I have free reign over what I can choose to do. And as a fiduciary, I am then bound to do what is in the client's best interest. Mm-hmm. So that short version is, I may have uh, had breakfast a couple weeks ago with a representative from Alliance Bernstein, 
But that doesn't mean there's going to be more Alliance Bernstein mutual funds in our portfolios. That just means I wanted to hear what some of their economists and analysts are thinking at this point in time. Okay. So some of those sorts of things through there. And, and you know, ultimately we come back to that conflict of interest part, right? Are there conflicts of interest we need to know about? One of those things could very well be, hey, my son or my brother or my cousin works for a particular fund company. Mm-hmm. Uh, my partner, Frank, the F of FRS, his son at one point in time worked for Oppenheimer, even though he worked in the technology side and was working on the actual computer systems part of what's going on at Oppenheimer. Um, you had to go, my, my kid works at Oppenheimer. Yeah. We may or may not have been using Oppenheimer funds at that time. I know we did for a little while. We took some out because it wasn't about who worked there. It was about how well are they performing based on what we need these to do at any given point in time. But we need to know, are those conflicts of interest uh, out there, do they exist? So those are some of those big questions mm-hmm. in there. One of the other pieces that I oftentimes will run into. It, you know, it, it's one of those things from that life surge event, but it's also one of those things that you will see every couple years. Somebody will float it back out there again, right? The subscription service. We will teach you how to do this. Just pay for these classes and subscribe to our monthly uh, technology that will deliver all of this to you. We will help you to do this. Okay. These folks aren't selling you advice, Andrew. They're selling you a subscription to their software. All right. They're selling you their version of the Microsoft 360 package, their version of the Adobe uh, Photography package, their version of whatever license you are paying for on a monthly or quarterly or annual basis. That's what they're selling you. They're selling you a subscription to their software. And betting that you keep paying it even if you forget you have it. Yes. Yes. And that's actually one of those things when we look at subscriptions as a whole, as a consumer, um, about 80% of households in America spend up to $100 a month on their various subscriptions, the TV, the software, whatever. And about 80% of those households don't include that subscription in their monthly budget. They don't think about that. And of that $100, about 25 bucks every month is being unused. Really? There's a subscription they've got somewhere that they've forgotten that they have, but it just keeps auto-drafting. That is how a lot of these subscriber places make their money is you forgot to turn off the subscription when you stopped using the subscription. Wait, it's not their proprietary AI system that'll make you a market genius? Oddly enough, not so much. Not so much in there. Um, So, ultimately, in that subscribe, use our stuff, get rich quick, there's a strong likelihood that you are going to subscribe and forget that you're paying for it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to make you rich. When you have outflow but no income, that's a typically a negative thing in a person's bank account going on. The yeah. money's going out, but nothing's coming in as a result of it. 
that's usually a good thing to cut out. Yeah, that's of a the budget. opposite of getting rich. Exactly. Exactly. So, folks, as you're out there and, and you may be, whether it's seeing the advertisement, maybe you went to uh, one of these types of events, whether it was life surge or even something else. I want to say do your homework. Mm-hmm. Folks, do that homework. Now, as kids, we're like, oh, I got homework. This is no good. I will tell you, as an adult, Andrew, I've grown to love homework because I'm also one of those weird Gen Xers mm-hmm. that is, again, skeptical of everything, so I've got to research it all before making even partial decisions yeah. in there. But doing that homework, learning about some of these basic principles, even learning about those basic principles in the finance world. If you found a professional that will help you understand these, because it is your money that we're talking about, you should know what you're in and why you're in and, and you know, have that basic working knowledge of, of how it works. You don't need to know everything there is to know about covered calls and uncovered puts and if we're long on this and short on that and how the portfolio manager is running everything. But you do need to know that, you know, if I'm in a in a large cap growth fund, what that actually means, yeah. that those are the big companies that probably aren't paying a dividend, but they are still growing their revenue year over year. You need to know some of those parts, right? It, it's important that you understand a little bit about your risk, your risk levels, all those different pieces. If you don't understand that out there, folks, find a new guy, find a new guy. You're welcome to give me a call. There are plenty of folks that I will walk through with this stuff and and don't actually even manage their funds, Andrew, Mm -hmm. that I will just sit down and help them understand what it is, what's going on, maybe figure out why it is that things are are working the way they're working. So, folks, if you've got those questions, feel free to give me a call, 719-500-8700. I'm here to help you understand, help you learn more about your money because you're... Money Matters. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.